Hello and welcome to another training episode of the Green Circle Podcast, brought to you by the Electricity Hub. I am your host, Ekene. Every week, we bring you an analysis of topical issues around renewable energy. At the COP26 summit, African negotiators wanted climate adaptation and mitigation financing to be scaled to $1.3 trillion per year by 2030. However, several challenges seem to hinder the access to climate funds. With me today is Veronica Takarasi, Head of Climate Finance, Africa Enterprise Challenge Fund. Welcome, Veronica. It's nice to have you on the podcast. Thank you very much, Ekene. So can you give a brief analysis of the state of climate financing in the southeastern part of Africa? Thank you once again for bringing the whole discussion on climate finance. In terms of financing, basically in Africa, we have gone slightly above 2.1 billion from the Green Climate Fund, but the access for Southeast Africa still remains very minimal. And this is a real challenge because the impacts of climate change continue to impact our people and most of the impact will be in sub-Saharan Africa and we are mostly dependent on rain-fed agriculture which is affected by climate change but the rate of accessing the climate finance to address such related challenges still remains very minimal. I think sub-Saharan Africa or southern East Africa still remains at 18% or less in terms of global access to climate finance and according to studies that we're done in the renewable energy space, Africa only had 2% of its renewable energy uh, developed. So that's a real sign that we still lag behind in terms of accessing climate finance in the continent and in Southeast Africa, respectively. What has been the challenge with disbursing committed financing in Africa? Some of the challenges in accessing climate finance in Africa basically relate to the absence of initial capital for feasibility studies and also If you look at the risk and uncertainty of returns in green projects, there is a lot of uncertainty, especially when it comes to technologies as well as viability risks. So it also limits access to resources that support climate projects. Therefore, increasing grant funding in the climate space becomes very pertinent. And you also realize that accessing climate finance, you need to also put significant resources in terms of establishing the baseline, especially as it relates to environmental and social safeguards, as well as gender integration for multilateral funds, such as the Green Climate Fund. And such resources remain limited in most African countries which are developing or they are least developed. There is also the aspect that relates to very high financing costs. So when it comes to most of the green projects, You need to also look at the issue of high financing costs as well as the issue of tenure. So most of the green projects only viable in the long term and they cannot be supported from the normal commercial financing and therefore it requires climate fund which most investors may not understand if they are to issue climate financing. Then the aspect that relates to the entire understanding of adaptation and mitigation because when you talk of climate financing you're then saying how is it demonstrating resilience or long-term coping strategies from an adaptation 
perspective, as well as in terms of reducing emissions from a mitigation perspective. So you then also realize that investors or project developers don't understand or don't have the technical capacities to demonstrate the climate rationale in their project development. Then you also have the aspect of dealing with the policy context from a climate financing perspective. The other thing you also realize that climate finance is in a very broad and complex landscape where you have different players with different requirements and different conditions that need to be met for climate finance to be released. So it becomes difficult for project managers as well as project proponents to be mapping the different finances and also trying to meet the different demands and needs from the climate finance providers. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. That was an elaborate answer. How do you think Western nations can follow through with their climate financing commitments to the region? Yes, I think the aspect of Western nations or developed countries following through in their climate finance commitments is inevitable. This comes at the backdrop of the recently ended COP26, where there was a call for the phasing out of coal, and subsequently it was negotiated to phasing down. And it is basically going to be supported by the development and deployment of technologies as well as access to climate financing. So it literally means that for developing countries to be able to project their sustainable and low carbon development or resilient pathways, it is going to be premised on the understanding of what are the new climate financing opportunities or resources that exist that can then inform and support their conditional or unconditional indices. So for developing countries, the ambition on emissions reduction will be premised on the availability and understanding of how Western nations are committing to support climate financing. We are also cognizant that the transition to resilient and low carbon development by developing countries cannot exist in the absence of external as well as multilateral and development funding. So this becomes very imperative to ensure that we avoid lock-in carbon intensive technologies and also support greenhouse gas emissions, that it is sustainable, it creates green jobs and it also supports inclusive and green economic development. So indeed, the importance of Western nations to show leadership even in providing climate financing commitments to Africa and other developing countries will be central in shaping the development agenda as well as in addressing climate change in the short to long term. Thank you. Thank you, Veronica. So finally, what resources do you think African countries need to ensure that they are prepared to face the impacts of climate change? According to the African indices, there is need for over $3 trillion that will be required to support indices. And for us to create a low carbon and resilient economies in Africa, we need about $1.3 trillion per annum. As we saw the African group of negotiators pushing the agenda at the COP26 negotiations. So those are really central discussions when we are looking at what resources does the continent need. Of course, there has been structuring of green bonds. So it means they 
there is also need for innovative funding. There is need for sustainable and inclusive financing within the climate space. And how deep are the African markets to issue green bonds, especially in supporting sustainable development as well as green infrastructure? And also, if we look at what is also central to the Africa Enterprise Challenge Fund in terms of supporting the private sector SMEs in scaling up climate smart innovations and clean technologies within the renewable energy space as well as the agribusiness space. There are different financing resources that are going to be required, both in grant funding as well as in concessional funding, to make sure that we also support these growing enterprises, not to only engage in business as usual, but to also support the green economy of the African continent and ensure that the vulnerable and marginalized communities have access to clean technologies, to clean energy, as well as they can produce sustainably and achieve food security. Thank you very much, Veronica. Thank you very much. We hope to have you on more episodes in the future. You can check out our website at www.theelectricityhub.com and listen to our previous episodes at podcast.theelectricityhub.com. Thanks for listening.